Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was, as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Lord God says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into this slain, that they may live. So as I prophesied, as he commanded me, and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet as a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord says. Oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. I'll be speaking this morning along with our Make War series. Uh, the title of this sermon is going to be called The Army of the Lovely Bones. A little over six years ago, um, I moved to Salisbury, and at that time, I had met Tony, you know, got really acquainted with her family, and wasn't, I was attending church, uh, but I wasn't really, as you would say, alive. And, um, and at the time, I was attending a church. And uh, I started transitioning. I moved to Salisbury, and I started attending Tony's mom's church. And a couple years before that, well, actually several years before that, 
Um, I went to a traumatic ending of a relationship. A marriage had ended. My first marriage had ended. Very traumatic for me. And really, a couple years before that, I, wasn't, I had experienced some very, very bad church hurt. I had been in a very bad spiritual situation with a church, and it devastated me. It traumatized me. And I remember during that period when I had left this particular church, this is over a decade ago this happened. I remember going through that, se- that season, and I remember just life just felt like life was just taken from me. And I remember sitting on the couch one night praying, and I said, God, and I didn't want, I didn't want to harm myself, but I was like, God, don't let me wake up in the morning. That's how much that, had, that trauma that I had experienced. And so I was in a very low place. And so as years progressed, then, you know, the f- first marriage ended. It was very traumatic, surprisingly traumatic, surprised me what happened. And so those things kind of happened in people's lives. And then uh, just starting to find life again, starting going back to church, was very skeptical of church and, 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 and religion and Christianity. And then uh, started attending church again. And then I had... Um, Started getting back in ministry because I've been in ministry for several years, but it still wasn't powerful like it was before. There's something about traumatic situations, moments that we are betrayed or when things happen to us, it's something about situations like that that just take the life out of you. When people hurt you, right? It's one thing when an enemy hurts you. But it's quite another thing when people that you love and that you have expressed loyalty to hurt you. It kind of cripples you spiritually a little bit. It gives you a limp. And even worse, what's even worse is when people hurt you in the name of Jesus. In the name of faith, in the name of church, when you get hurt by church. So we all have this in common, right? You know, as my wife always tells me, she says, ain't no hurt like church hurt. Many of us have gone through uh, uh, all kind of traumatic situations. Um, Many of you may have experienced in your life uh, what St. John of the Cross, if I can get historical on you. St. John of the Cross was a great Christian preacher. He says, we have these dark nights of the soul. And those are moments when we do not feel God's presence. Matter of fact, we feel God's absence. See, it's different to say, I don't feel God right now. But it's also another thing to say, God is absent. The feeling of absence of God. And sometimes these things happen. I hear people say all the time, you know, man, I wish I could go back. When I loved Jesus, I was on fire, you know, and it's like God was finishing my words as I was beginning my words, you know. And now it's this season of absence, this season of quietness, this season of silence, or this season of hurt and pain and trauma. And this is kind of where we find our text this morning. 
in Ezekiel 37, what we have here is a situation where Israel has gone into exile. God takes the prophet Ezekiel, and he, he gets caught up in this vision, and he takes Israel, and he says, he takes Ezekiel, and he says, go into this valley. And he sees, imagine this powerful prophetic vision, there's this, this, this large valley, there's mountains on each side, <clears throat> and as he's walking through the valley, he sees dead bones in the valley. Now, the scene that he is describing is a battle scene, the, the aftermath of a battle scene. After a great traumatic event, after a war has happened, there has been a massacre. People have been slaughtered, murdered, because they went to war. And so these are casualties of war. These are casualties of people that have been oppressed, repressed. They've been hurt. They've been traumatized. They've been put down. They have been crushed. They have been defeated. And so they are dead. And so Ezekiel's walking through the valley of the dry bones. And God says to Ezekiel, the prophet, can, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel, like many of us, you say, you know, who know people, who may be like those bones, or you may be those bones, you might be asking yourself, man, I don't know if I can really live again. And I love Ezekiel's answer. Ezekiel gives the correct theological answer. Ezekiel says, only you, Lord, know if these dry bones can live. And if we're honest, there's some days you probably say, nah, they ain't going to live again. It's just too bad. <coughs> and so Ezekiel <coughs> gets his instructions from the Lord. And I want you to notice something of what happens when the Lord begins to prophesy to these bones, to these bones that have been crushed and defeated by this, these uh, alien armies. Because Israel had been in exile, they had been put in exile and in captivity by a very powerful empire called the Babylonian Empire. And so the enemy has captured them and put them captive and put them out of exile. And so here's a situation where Israel has lost its land, it has lost its identity, it has lost its sense of vocation and purpose, it has lost its calling. And on top of that, they've been taken off their post. And they've been defeated militarily. They've been defeated. So basically everything that they knew was taken from them and they were placed into a foreign land. And so Ezekiel's coming as the prophet of God. And here's the thing about prophets. I know, you know, in Christian popular culture right now, you know, we got a lot of people running around, you know, put prophets on their names, whatever. And, you know, and some of that stuff is good. Um, some of that stuff is of the Holy Spirit. But I must tell you, some of that stuff is huckstery. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because a true prophet gives the word of God. 
In the Hebrew is the word debar. The prophet feels, mm. <clears throat> the prophet gets a little taste of what God is feeling. Can you imagine that for a moment? Can you imagine getting a taste of how God feels about a particular situation? What is that like? So here's Ezekiel standing in the midst of the valley of the dry bones. In God's mind, God says, I see life coming to these bones. I'm determined to have life, to speak life into these dry bones. And so Ezekiel is like, you know, he's like a human like the rest of us. He's like, these people dead. But he gets a whiff, he gets a taste of God's determination to wake these folk up. And so he begins to prophesy. Prophesy. And notice what happens. First, in verse 7. He says, uh, we'll go back, (laughs) verse 5. This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will make life, I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you. And then he says down in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. So he's beginning to do what he was just previously told by the Lord that he wants to say. So he says, I'm beginning to prophesy as I was commanded. So the first part of this is not him actually doing it. This is the command of God before he actually does it. Prophets say what the Lord says. Not what free market capitalism says, not what the culture says, not what consumerism says, not your middle class aspirations say, but what thus saith the Lord says. Yeah, God will tell you, yeah, you're going to have a house, a car. Yeah, we get that. And God will bless you. But every time, God's going to give you a house. Every time? Come on now, something up. Somebody ain't prophesying right. Bill Gates got houses all over the world. He's an atheist. You don't need to know God to get a house. Or to even have good credit. Don't even believe in God. Curing Africa of malaria. Billions of dollars. <laughs> Sorry, gotta go there for a moment. So prophets say what thus saith the Lord. And, and so Ezekiel in verse 7, he says, I began to prophesy as I was commanded to do. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. <clears throat> and the bones were coming together. Bone to bone. Now, here's the thing, y'all. We live in a community. Back in 2011, 
when me and Tony received the call to begin Mission House, the work that we've been doing in community, in homes and houses, and gathering friends, and building community and relationships with each other for the last four years now, <clears throat> we went on a prayer walk through the city of Salisbury. And on Ennis Street, everybody should know this by now, there's that big old statue. Everybody know about the statue now, right? And so there were different parts of the city that the Lord directed us to take pictures of. And so we took pictures of, um, of the statue and other places in the city. And so sometime later, the Lord took me to research the statue um, of the people, what people think is an angel, but it's actually a creature out of Greek mythology named Fame. So I don't even know, Jesus' angel. I had some folk get mad at me about that recently. <clears throat> And even the angel out of biblical text, it's a, it's, a, it's a pagan creature. And so anyway, the name of the statue was Gloria Victus in the Latin. And in the English, that is glory to the crushed, glory to the defeated. And so and it was in that moment that we heard the Spirit say to us, I'm raising up an army of people in this city that have been crushed and defeated by the spirit of religion, by the political and social and racial forces that lie in this community. I'm raising up an army of love. That's like one of those like, wow, burning bush moments. God, you're so good. So what you see here this morning is not a great idea or a good idea. What you see here this morning is the unfolding of a call. Like Ezekiel received a call to prophesy, to speak to the community, to demonstrate to the community a particular mission for which Christ has called us to do. And our mission is to mobilize an army of love for the good of our neighborhoods, city, and world. And so, but notice what happens though. There's an unfolding here. There's a process here, right? That's why the day is interesting because the Bible says to, to, uh, to not despise a day of small beginnings. So there is a process. There are steps that God even takes Ezekiel to that Israel will have to go through. Notice that the first thing that happens is this. He begins to prophesy and there was a noise. <laughs> First, there was a noise. No life yet. No army yet. There's just noise. And then there is a rattling of the bones. So the word produces a noise. The prophesying of the word of the Lord produces a rattling sound because the bones are beginning to move a little bit. And then even on down, down a little bit further, he says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel says to Israel, by the word of the Lord, he says, I'm going to open your graves. So there's this progression here. There's the, the noise of God, the, the rattling of the bones, the people who were dead spiritually or without purpose, they begin to rattle. 
And then as life begins to come back to these bones, then they begin to come together. So first, life has to enter into the bones. The word of the Lord will bring life into the bones. <clears throat> then the bones will begin to be connected. And then he says this, verse 9, prophesy to the breath, speak to the breath, man. Right? Because the bones are rattling, the noise is going forth of what's happening. And then he says, speak breath into it. So there's this body of people. Now he's speaking to a vast grave. Of dead people. So you can imagine in your mind a valley with bones strewn all over the place. And he's speaking into the valley. And all of a sudden, the bones begin to rattle. And then as the bones, I, I wish I had some uh, CGI or something. I put it up on the screen, right? We can hire my man who did uh, Avatar or something and say, you know, how would that look? And so the bones begin to rattle, and so the bones are beginning to find where they need to fit in. They begin to connect with each other. And so around that, tendons start coming together. Skin start coming together. So there's this body laying in the valley, but it doesn't have life yet. You can be alive, mm. and you can be somewhat connected, but you may not have purpose. But notice what happens. This body's here, bodies all over the place. They got flesh, the bones, they're connected with each other. <clears throat> then he says in verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, give it life. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath. Four winds. And what he's talking about are the cardinal directions of north, east, south, west, which are an image of direction and purpose. So, so, so God is saying to uh, Ezekiel, prophesy and speak a purposeful breath, a purposeful life, a, a spirit that animates them to a certain direction and purpose. So it's not just life, but it's a life that's giving a direction, that's given a purpose in which it is to be set. So he's not just giving them life, like biology, <sighs> inhale, exhale, heart beating, this is more than that. You can have life without having life. You can be a body that's working and doing and going to work and taking care of the kids or going to school and dealing with people. You can have life, but then there's not having life. And so God tells Ezekiel, speak life into this living body. 
And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath entered them. They come to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So there's, there's four moments here. There's like this awakening. There's this connection. And then there's purpose given. And then there's army. And so what I believe right now is that what a lot of people are experiencing, and this is what I'm seeing, people are beginning to make a little noise. Even in our community right now, the bones are rattling right now. People are trying to come together to make our community a better place. Some of you right now have probably told yourself, you know what, man, I got to get myself back on track with God. I done kind of got off a little bit, right? You're experiencing noise right now, and so some of you are at that place, and then some of you are like, you know what, I'm going to get my life on track right now. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get connected with somebody. I'm going to get connected with a group of people that are doing something for God. I'm going to get tapped into a community. Then as that happens, you begin to either rediscover or discover purpose. Because remember now, the army was defeated. So this army was, at one point in time, in action. But they were defeated. There were some of you, there's some of you in this audience right now that were once a spiritual warrior. But something defeated you. And you ended up laying down in the valley for whatever reason. But when you begin to hear the noise again, when you begin to reconnect again to people, you begin to re be rekindled a sense of purpose, a sense of uh, spending time with God, a sense of, you know, I'm going to get back into my word. I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus. I'm going to be connected in with folk that's going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to get connected with a community. This is what kind of happens when the word goes forth. God begins to speak. Some of you are just getting your breath back. Mm. And that's good. And that's okay. Some of you are just getting your breath back spiritually. Because you lost it. Something knocked the wind out of you. Some of you have gotten your breath, but you ain't connected yet. So you got your breath, but God wants to reconnect you with something that God is doing in the world, in the community. Some of you are rattling. Some of you are beginning to make some noise. You're beginning to have those God conversations again. You're beginning to have those conversations around things that really matter. Like, God, what have you called me to do? Why have you made me? Why have you created me? And you begin to tell other people and ask other people, not in a condemning and sort of uh, self-righteous kind of way, we're going to get your life right with God. You know, no, 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 no. But you begin to testify of the goodness of God in your own life. 
and you just begin to ask people questions. Where are you with God? What direction is your life headed? You can cope with the trauma all you want. And it's natural to cope with things that we've experienced. But where are you headed? And some of you are beginning to ask, a part of your rattling, a part of the bones rattling, you begin to ask yourself this question. Can I live again? Can I live again? I used to know what life was like, but I got hurt. People hurt me. I hurt myself. I made some bad decisions. I made some bad choices. Relationships ended. I lost my job. The world just went to pot. And it's hard when you're at the bottom sometimes to say, to ask yourself, to even answer the question, can I live again? Can this community live again? Can this region, this city, live again? Could he use me again? Mm. God, can you use me again? God, will you speak to me again? You used to speak to me, God. But you don't speak to me like you used to, God. God, I know I have done this and that. I done done my own thing, but God, I don't know. God, can you speak to me again? But let me encourage you this morning. Now, see, here's the thing. You're going to leave this morning. I have no action plan for you. This ain't even practical. All I have for you is this. Wait and listen for the word of the Lord. All you got to do is wait and listen for God to speak to your soul. And you say, but Lord, I don't know if you'll use me again. I don't know if I can hear you again. I don't know if I can do this again. But here's the thing, though. To even ask that question (laughs) is proof that God has already breathed into you again. To even ask the question, God, can I hear you again? God, can I live for you again? God, will you use me again? That is to say God has already spoken into your being. God has already breathed into your being. God is raising up an army. And that's what God's intention is. I'm raising up an army. An army of love. A army of those who were once dead. An army of those who have been crushed by the spirit of religion. An army of uh, people that have been defeated by all kind of religiosity. All kind of weird understandings of who God is. You can't, 
You can't make God love you. There's this, this story, this narrative a lot of times in religious communities, and I notice it here, where people actually think they can bribe God with their obedience. You think, oh, man, we're told that there's something that we can do to earn God's love back. Now, the thing is, now, in some situations, you hear people say that, man, God loves you no matter what. But on the other hand, they'll say, if you don't tithe, God's going to curse you. So, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand. So if I don't do a certain thing, God's not going to love me anymore? God's going to hate me? God's going to curse me? That ain't Bible. The Bible says the curse of the law was put on Jesus on the cross. There ain't no curse. There are consequences if we do wrong things, which are obvious to anybody. If you do any, make wrong decisions, there's consequences. But Jesus said, I come that you have life and life more abundantly. There's nothing that we can do to secure the love of God. There's nothing that we can do. And I think a lot of people have been crushed by a religion that says, if you dress a certain way, if you talk a certain way, this preacher's probably talking about him right now wearing a Batman shirt, right? God can't anoint somebody wearing a Batman shirt. He ain't got a tie on. Your God is small. My God is everywhere. My God, my God loves everybody. No matter where they at. God loves me. No matter what. And when I begin to realize that, when I become, and this is when the shift comes, right? When I begin to really understand that God loves me no matter what, that God has called me, that God has spoken and given me breath. When God, when I understand that, then I begin to realize I got to love God back. That's what it means to begin to walk with God, to give the love back. How does it look for God to withhold love waiting for you to give love? Mm. Isn't that twisted? We get taught that. Well, you know, and you hear people in church say this. You know, I got to get right before I go back to church. I don't know if I can get into that yet. And I'm like, but God loves you. Don't you realize this? God loves you. Yeah, I know what you did last night. I know what you did this morning. I know what I did last night. But guess what? God still loves me. And I'm giving the love back, God. Paul said it like this. There's neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor length, nor power, nor principality, no evil force, no human being, anything. Not even my own, not even my own disobedience can separate me from the love of God. Isn't that something? Imagine if a church really believed that, that God loves this community no matter what. Imagine a community 
when you got a group of people, a church of Jesus Christ, that literally will love the hell out their city. Can you imagine that? So you can imagine Ezekiel, he's probably like, oh God, God's about to speak to the people. These people have been defeated, they've been crushed by the enemies of religion, the enemies of spiritual enemies. And Ezekiel's probably beginning to be excited. He's like, God's about to speak to the city. God's about to speak to his people. And he begins to speak. And Ezekiel's like, oh boy. Ain't nothing like a group of people that God has spoken to. There's no devil in hell. No principality, no oppressive force can stop a people whom God has spoken to. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, God. Let your hand be upon us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's an army rising up. Amen. There's an army rising up. There's a worship team. There's an army rising up. How many of you want the Lord to speak to you this week? Amen. How many of you want the Lord to speak to you this week? To give breath into your body this week. You've been making some noise. Yes. But wait till the Lord speaks to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.